Good, well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 15th, 2018, and today we're reading from the big book. Imagine that. We're back in the big book. We're on page 73, uh, starting with the first paragraph, and we're going to read through two paragraphs. Today's readers, we have Jody E.Q. on the 12 Steps. And we have Alexis H. on the 12 Traditions. And the readers of the text, Susan H., Madeline R., and Jeanette S. The reference number for yesterday, which was Thursday, June 14th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 11,534. That's 11534. And for the 10 a.m. Uh, meeting, it was, it's 11,536, 11536. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. <clears throat> there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting for our own contributions. We don't accept outside donations. Uh, we're not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. And we, we, don't take any, we don't take a position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition uh, states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can indeed recover through abstinence, that comes first, and then the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So Jody E.Q., can I ask you to read the 12 steps? You certainly may, and I would be honored to do so. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovering in California. 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jody. Okay. Um, Alexis, we have 12 traditions, last I recall, right? My name is Alexis. I'm a compulsive overeater, and these are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. I pass. Thanks so much, Alexis. Okay, this this thing typically works, this meeting here. Let me tell you why it works. Um, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So what we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share what was read. And, and anyone can share it all, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Try to maintain a singleness of purpose, which reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. And our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers is six months, and there's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you want to share, just press star one to unmute your phone, and once you're done sharing, uh, just, you know, say pass, and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're gonna resume our study in the big book and we are currently on page 73, starting with the first paragraph. It starts more than most people. And Susan's gonna read through two paragraphs ending in that makes for more drinking. And we're gonna comment on both. So, hey, Susan H, good morning. Good morning. This is Susan H., a recovered compulsive overreader in Ohio. 
more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone may have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. And the thing that jumped out at me is the double life. Um, I was definitely living a double life many of my years. I, I wanted to project sanity, kindness, selflessness, honesty. But I was deeply into uh, insanity, judgment, selfishness, shame, shame, and covering that up. The shame was overpowering. My attempt to fool the world was futile. I felt that my obesity shouted the real truth, even as I tried to convince the world of my worth. So I binged, trying to blot that double, the whole thing out. Try as I might, my will brought me no relief. I lived that double life most of my years. But for the last 589 days, I've been abstinent. At first, it was a struggle. My sponsor guided me through 12 steps that changed my life and my heart. Now I am amazed daily by, by my reprieve from compulsive eating. It's not my doing. I tried all my life to, <laughs> to grasp that for myself, and uh, my power never, never could do that. I can't say that enough. My daily reprieve is not my doing. Each day, I start anew, trying my best to maintain spiritual fitness as best as I can, not perfectly, and receive the daily reprieve. I'm so very grateful to my higher power for the gift. May I do thy will always. I'll pass. Thanks, Susan, for your share uh, to get us started here. So we're on page 73. Um, Susan read the first two paragraphs. And if you, if you would repeat your name about 20 times, that would be helpful to me know. Um, who would like to share on what was read? Katie G from Boston. Ross, Amy G from Maryland. Amy. Jackie B from the Bronx. Jackie. Yankee fan. Probably. Who else? A couple more. We got Russ, Katie, Amy, Jackie. Anybody else? Roz G. Roz. How about one more? Gina F. from Connecticut. Was that Gina? Yeah. Gina. Okay, let's go. That's a good group. Let's start with that. We got Russ, Katie, Amy, Jackie, Roz, um, followed by Gina. Hey, yo, Russ, what's, how are you this morning? <laughs> Good morning, Larry. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, fellas. Uh, Ross M., Recover Compulsive Overeater outside of Philly. So a double life. You know, when I first read this, I'm like, man, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. But as I worked the steps, then I realized what's going on. Dude, I was so afraid of what people thought of me. 
and my family and my family's name because of this disease. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if it was, but I know one thing. I, I would try to be prim and proper and the holy guy and the, the Christian dude and perfect in all my affairs, and then I would go home and treat my family like garbage. I would treat my body like garbage an hour before I got into the house, destroying my body with food. So, yeah, did I live a double life? Yes. And the kicker is, is I was so on edge and so screwed up that that all bled into my business decisions, decisions with my relationships, obviously my financial decisions, and it, it made me an utter disgrace and a wreck. All that time I was trying to control how people thought of me and hide this disease and hide this wart that I had going on for my whole life, which everybody knew about. They all knew about it. They saw it on me. They saw it by the, what, I, what I looked like. And yet, in the end, I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of what people thought of me. And in the end, I failed. People might have thought what they thought of me, and I'm still here. It didn't kill me. So through the steps, I'm learning, and I pray, and I ask God to just take this so I could be authentic. Now, like, I really don't care anymore. This is who I am. It's the way I'm built. I'm bad on. I have to take care of things. I have to fix. I have to ask God to help me fix things and get myself out of life. Take me out. Take Russ out of life. This is who I am. If people don't like it, you know, that's on them. That's them. I'll still love them. My point is, there's no more fear in being who I am because of these, these, these steps. But I live like that my whole life. You wonder why I, I made a mess and I'm a failure, right? You wonder why. Still playing God. That's that's part of it, but you understand what I'm getting at. So I don't have to live that way anymore because of the steps. And because guess what? God loves me the way I am. This is who I am. Failed, failed, flawed, screwed up. He still loves me. So thanks for letting me share. I love you guys. You have a beautiful weekend. Hope that made sense. Have a great one. Hey, Russ. Thanks so much, brother. Okay, we have Katie followed by Amy. Hey, Katie. Good morning. Hello, Larry. Good morning. Good morning, my fellows. Katie D. Recovered in Boston. Yeah, double, triple, quadruple. How many stage characters did I have prior to the first time I did this work? And how many stage characters do you have today, Katie? Well, there's the good Over Ears Anonymous member who wants to share and be a sponsor. There's the good wife who wants to prove to the husband that I'm, you know, doing, doing the perfect job. There's the good mom who's like this all-natural, you know, perfect woman. And if I don't continue with my inventory, these stage characters start to drive me. You know, if I don't stay current and continue on this work, you know, food was just my first spree. Food was just my first spree. And thank you, God, I'm not eating today. And as I go deeper into the work and I continue this process of ego deflation, I see that, you know, up until six months ago, I'm going to get real honest with y'all, I thought I hid my character defects from my husband. Legit. Like, I totally thought I was doing a really good job. Like, I knew I knew, but how could he know, right? Um, 
you know, and, and thank you, God, today. Like, I don't have to be a stage character. I can show up on this line and say, you know what? I'm recovered today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what that means is I get to live my life today happily without eating. But you know what? My life's not perfect. I'm not perfect. How about the other sprees that I go on in abstinence as a recovered woman? Where are my control sprees, Katie? How, how's your spending sprees, Katie? What are you looking at? You know, and um, thank you, God, today. I don't have to revolt and be in disgust about myself. I don't have to push these memories inside myself. Why? Because if I do, what's going to happen? Step one, powerless, I'm going to eat. Right? Like if I start to get hazy, if I start to like relax and take it easy in my spiritual work, eating is going to be a step up because I'm going to push those memories that are inside of myself. They will never see the light of day because why? I'm not doing step 10. I'm not doing step 11. And the beauty of step five, which is sharing with others, and that's what happens in step 10 and 11, is that I don't, I don't, get, to, I don't get to hang on to these stage characters anymore. I get to show up as Katie, recovered, in Boston, messy, messy, doing her best that she can, showing up, and guess what? I don't get to be kicked out of Overeaters Anonymous. That is really good news for someone like me because I show up, I suit up, I show up, I mess up, and I have a way to do it again. Holy smokes, you guys. If you're not doing this work, why not? This is the good drugs. I mean, this is the stuff... We get to live like I love inventory because it helps me to become me. And that is such a gift today. And because of step five and because of this work and all of you, it is a gift to be me. And I get to keep suiting up, showing up, and shutting up now. With that, I pass. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Okay, we have Amy followed by Jackie. Good morning, Amy. Hey, Amy. Amy, can you press uh, star one? Oh, can you hear me now, Larry? Oh, there, yeah, there you are. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry, I was rambling away without unmuting. Um, thank you so much um, for your service, Larry. I appreciate it, and thank you, everyone on the line, for an awesome meeting. Oh, my gosh, this double life thing. Ask any bulimic, or I'll just say for myself, you know, we could have an Academy Award on this double life. And um, I remember um, it, with my stint in treatment, I remember a very heavy woman saying to me, and I'll never forget it, she said, you know, you can't judge me. Um, what I humiliate myself in public, you do it in private. And that's exactly what I did. I bought the myth that thin was well and I was willing to sacrifice anything on the altar of porcelain for me 10, 12 times a day, puking my guts out because, of course, I couldn't handle my life, that double life. I wanted you all to tell me I was okay because I couldn't do it for myself. Those drives, those desires, those instincts, my immaturity, my self-centeredness, this all has nothing to do with food. Food was my reaction. Food was my reaction. And this bulimia, I mean, Talk about the mental obsession. I mean, how do you rationalize sticking your finger down your throat as same behavior? But that's what I did. And I didn't know I was dealing with this craziness of this mental obsession. But by the grace of God, I come to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, and I start to understand that there's way more to this disease than meets the mouth, if you excuse my pun. It's what's going on inside of me and what is driving me. And the step five is so important. Remember, we just read. 
that if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome our drinking or our eating. Because that dichotomy, that 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 person who I was in public and the person who I was in private, that tension between the two was astronomical. I could not handle the guilt and the shame of what I did in private and this and this sense of this person I thought I needed the world to see in public. And the only way to get down to that, how do I get those two personalities together? It was through the process of the inventory of the fifth step. I had to get I had to get that guilt and shame of my behavior up and out and also address the behavior so that I could be free. I could understand what was driving me, what those character defects were, and to be free so that I would not be triggering the mental obsession, my thinking over and over and over again that would then drive me to my alcoholic foods. That's the freedom of this fifth step. The inventory work is work. It is an inventory. It is a work. But the freedom that is on the other side, like Katie was talking about, is immeasurable. Because the, the mental obsession starts to be loosened up. We start to understand. And with the higher power and the fellowship to back us up, we got it. This program works. If we follow these instructions and we do this inventory, we can be free. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Okay, we have uh, Jackie followed by Roz. Now batting the Bronx Bomber. Jackie, Hi. good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you, everybody, for your shares and your service. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, great. Uh, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Um, Everybody that shared already is telling my story, so I say ditto to everything. Um, What I find today is I'm authentic. I was never authentic before. Um, I had to be you know, whatever everybody wanted me to be so that they would like me, or at least I hoped I would get the gratification of them wanting me to be in their circle. But I realized that through my inventory and everything, it's what I perceived. Everything was what I perceived and what I wanted. Um, What I had to be was is understand that no matter what I perceive, people are going to be people. They're going to do and say and be who they are. What I have to do is be authentic. If I'm authentic today, it's because I'm authentic in and out of my home, my life, my workplace, uh, because I do my inventory every day. Um, And that freedom, you know, it's so great not to have to carry the burden of the world anymore that I can give the world back to who it belongs, my higher power. I don't have to control. Um, I have exciting uh, things that are happening this weekend. My daughter will turn 16 on Sunday, um, and she will have a recovered mother there. Uh, We're going to medieval times in New Jersey. And you know what? I'm not worried about the food. I am not more worried about getting there on time to get the best seat, which is my character defect. Um, But I'm not worried about the food. I will take my food with me and not worry if I can't eat what they have to give me. That is so important. And I have to always remember that it's about her day, not my day. It's about my husband's father's day, not my day. It's about me 
being authentic. It's not me saying, am I impressing my sister? Am I impressing these kids that are coming with us? Am I impressing, the impressing, impressing? I know today that as long as I stay recovered, working the steps, the program, everything, I will be the best Jackie from the Bronx you ever saw in your life. And thank you, everybody, for being here, and thank you for saying my story. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Jackie. Okay, we have Roz followed by Gina. Hey, Roz, good morning. Good morning, um, Larry. Good morning. My name is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, everybody, what everybody has said is the same with me. Um, wherever I go, I take me. And I didn't like me at all. I just... I thought I did, but I really had self-loathing because, you know, I I wanted to be skinny, blonde hair, and blue-eyed, and I was thin. I had a very high metabolism as a young girl, but curly brown hair and brown eyes, and uh, wasn't like the girls in the neighborhood. It started very early, and... Um, have a you know have I'm a mixed racist person and didn't really know where who I was and I've heard alcoholics say so much you know and when they share that they didn't fit in and I am did not fit in so you know being um, made fun of uh, by the kids um, I just grew I just had this sense of not being enough and not being okay. So like the other shares, I tried to do whatever I could to impress or to fit in. And that grew into a person, you know, of me not really knowing who I was. So, I mean, I have a whole Al-Anon story and being a chameleon and marrying, a, uh, getting in a bad marriage because I thought, you know, that I would be alone. But perhaps the most double life I lived was when I was in a, a heavy religious circle and, um, that was where most of my eating took place. All the ladies made these wonderful casseroles and um, cakes and, you know, we'd study the Bible and eat. And uh, I just pretended to be a religious zealot. And I turned a lot of people off, but I didn't really see how I was treating people because I was so deep in, in the eating. So anyway, today I I've, I've gotten myself clean from eating uh, alcoholic foods. I'm, I have a clear head and I have a very good acceptance of who I, who I am, who I, I like myself. If God made me, you know, I, I should be able to like what he made. And I'm very proud of being a, a person in 12-step programs because it has changed my life. I'm watching my ex-husband die of, of uh, kidney failure. It's just it's just so sad, and I am, you know, so healthy. Thank you, God. So by the grace of God, I live in this program. And it's and one thing that I'll just wrap up by saying that, you know, currently I'm doing some twelve step work in a church with some single moms, and I told the leaders when they, you know, they asked me to be a part of this team that I'm in a twelve step program, and that's part of who I am. So I don't know if you're going to want me in here or not. And they just said, oh, no, that's not a problem whatsoever. Um, 
And, you know, today I'm able to share with them, be myself. And it, it's fair. I'm getting a little more comfortable with myself because it's like, you know, like that says um, in a couple of paragraphs before, I got a new attitude. So I'm very grateful. And thank you for letting me share. Thanks so much, Roz. Hi, Gina. Good morning. It's your turn. Hi, good morning, Larry. Happy Friday, everybody. Gina F. from Connecticut. So, oh boy, do these paragraphs fit me to a T, and sounds like it fits a lot of us to a T. Um, it's ironic, too, because I spent a couple years uh, trying to become an, uh, an actor as a career. Um, I didn't really have a great sense of self ever, um, which, um, you know, it works out now because I, I don't need a sense of self. I'm supposed to be getting rid of my sense of self. Uh, but I spent a lot of years trying on different personalities and different um, different lifestyles, trying to find out who I was. But the whole time, the whole time uh, was that constant tension and anxiety because I felt like a fraud. I felt like um, I felt like a a charlatan, a chameleon. Um, and everybody could see through me. Um, and in some sense, I really was because yeah, because I, I, my insides didn't match my outside. So the beauty of the 12 steps is that this is um, the closest my outsides have ever matched my insides. I have no more secrets. I got rid of those in the fourth and fifth step. Um, and I have no more shame about who I am, you know, I, I'm not hiding things anymore. Um, and that's beautiful. And I can be, I can be at peace, uh, because I know that myself is not important. I'm an agent of my higher power. And, um, and so that constant fear and tension, um, is no longer with me. Not to say I never have fear or tension. Certainly I do. Um, but it's not that constant, uh, hiding double life that it used to be. And that's awesome. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Gina. Hey, if you slept in this morning, here's where we're at. We're on page uh, 73. And starting with the first paragraph, we read, read through the first two paragraphs in 73. Uh, who would like to share? Janice PM. Janice. Ramona. Cindy. A. Ramona. Cindy. Hold on a second. Cindy, Melissa, who else? A couple more, maybe? Jody EQ. Jody. Beth W. from North Dakota. From North Dakota. Who is that again? Beth W. Beth, that's my daughter's name. How could I not hear that? Beth, okay. So let's see, what do I have here? I have Janice Ramona. Oh my gosh, I can't read my writing. Um, Cindy, 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 that's who it is. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Cindy, Melissa, Jody, followed by Beth. Janice, good morning. Good morning to you, Larry. <laughs> Janice, um, Mer- who's going to give me my last name? Doesn't matter. Janice PM. Um, grateful today, very grateful. Yeah, this is, um, I changed everything I read here to the to the first person, which is me. I, I, I changed it. I, <laughs> I, you know, for most people, you know, me, my compulsive overeating, I led a double life. Um, 
and uh, I wanted to show everybody how wonderful I really was. And uh, what a hypocrite. <laughs> what inconsistency this this was for me. And I'm going to be, well, I hate to say I'm going to be honest because maybe that means I'm dishonest. Well, the, anyway, it's so, it's easy for me today, you know, to be to be to show my true self outside. But, you know, I still want you to like me. I still do things that I want you to like me, but I'm not so afraid because doing this process, you know, I got rid of a lot of the things that, oh, I was afraid that if I ever was found out, that part. But the real the real problem with me, it's really not a problem, but really I have to act like this way in my home. You know, I can be wonderful here, and oh, she's got such a nice personality, she's funny, blah, blah, but you know, the inconsistency, and it still is, um, you know, with the relationships that I have with, um, you know, my husband, with my son, because see, I'm not cured of this disease, so, but I'm not a, a, a fraud uh, like I used to be, both outside and inside the house, um, because, um, you know, we wear, ma- I, we, I wear masks. Um, I, I'm, I think that I can be the same as outside, inside my home, um, but mostly, you know, I have to really work for that relationship in the home. I mean, that's that's just how it is. But I'm not tormented by memories, you know, of the past um, in, in the cycle of insanity by eating, both outside and inside, because that used to be really something. You know, my husband would say, can't you just put down the food? He doesn't understand. And so the constant, you know, the progression of the disease created fear and tension, um, you know, sneaking it and everything. So, um, but I am free of my um, isolation with my guilts, you know, with my wrongs and defects. Um, but you know, the real transformation for me begins with my relationship with God, with others, with, uh, with, with people in my home, which is always the hardest. And, um, uh, at least I'm not a a hypocrite, um, as much, you know, uh, on the outside, like, I I don't care if you, if you didn't like what I wore, then I would say, oh, I'm not going to wear this anymore because nobody said anything. Um, that's, you know, insane. Um, and today I don't, I don't feel like that. If you don't like what I wear or who I am, it's, it's okay, you know, but in the home, I have to work very hard on this. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Janice, I can't help but like you. It doesn't work to not like you. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. We have Ramona followed by Cindy. Ramona, good morning. Good morning. Am I being heard? You are. You're coming through loud and clear. Hey. All right. Good. I'll, I'll take it off speaker here. Okay. That's better. Well, I'm sitting here. Ramona a in Vermont recovered. I'm very grateful and sitting here watching a very gentle rain on all the lush green and flowers here in Vermont this time of year and thinking that the program has been like a gentle rain on my soul and my spirit. You know, it's it has just given me such life. But before that, I had as people have said, I had many lives and I lived in fear, and when I came into recovery, I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I felt, you know. I think a counselor asked us, do you know, do you know what it likes to 
to behave like a normal or what, you know, what a normal person would behave and all of that. I had no clue. So I know that I w- my fear, I acted one person at work and another person around home. And with my character defects, it was like, um, it was like the food. You know, I would say for a party or something, oh, you don't have to buy any potato chips or whatever for me because I'm not going to eat any. And then I'd end up eating more than anybody else and thinking nobody saw it. Well, of course they saw it. They saw it when I gained and lost it and gain and lost again, and then the character defects, I would think that I was fooling people, you know, of being super nice or or this or, you know, very social at a party and, um, you know, and I wasn't fooling anybody. They People can see through you, and, and, um, and so it wasn't strange that I felt rejected because I was rejecting myself all the time. I, I just... Uh, didn't allow myself to be who I was. So when I came into program, it's just been wonderful, but it's been a process. You know, it's a slow process. The people say, yeah, the character defects are still there. They are there in in some forms, but they aren't as strong as they used to be, and the fear is not as as strong as it used to be. And I'm able to then I'm able to recognize it. I'm able that awareness and acceptance that it's there. And then, you know, the the steps, you know, the process of the steps, the process of 10 steps, working with a sponsor, having sponsees. Everybody can tell me their stories, and it helps me to see some of my story all the time. And I'm so, so grateful for all of that. So I love this this passage because it just says so much and I thank everyone for their sharing for their service today and I pass thank you thank you so much Ramona okay we have Cindy followed by Melissa good morning Cindy good morning may I be heard you can thank you I'm Cindy Kay from Kansas City Missouri and um, I am gratefully gratefully recovering from a hopeless state and it's not just the food um i was like a lot of people mentioned i was a chameleon i did what i could do in order to be liked and i went from being a pushover and easily intimidated until i figured out that i could really get attention by being the bully and over the last few years that's what i've been just um just pushing my way, especially at work, being in charge, correcting people, getting a little guy and trying to intimidate them. And being at the top of my work, I did do great work. And if anyone had any doubt about it, I would let them know. Um, and then I came into this program because the other secret I was hiding was um, while I was acting like a big shot at work, I was sneaking in the bathroom with tons of food, eating and eating and eating, Um, stole food out of the fridge and still pretending to be a badass. And um, through the process of this program and the 12 steps, I found out that I was um, not only compulsively overeating, but compulsively trying to cover up my own spiritual 
deficits and character defects. And um, I had to, in the first step, admit that I was powerless and over my own life. My life was unmanageable, and I was doing everything in my power to hold on to what I thought was me. Um, through the 12 steps, I've become my own person through the help of my higher power and a very gentle sponsor. And now, of course, I owe many amends. But I'm so grateful for my higher power and this program. And I pass. Thank you. Wow, this stuff works. Hey, thanks, Cindy. Melissa, this works, doesn't it? It, it works. <laughs> Good morning. This is Melissa. She recovered. Compulsive overeater. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service, Larry, and your your upbeat, happy way. It's, it's just a gift. Um, so, you know, um, I was told that um, part of this program was I was going to have to stop being the president of my public relations, you know, my public relations firm. Um, and and that's really the truth because I viewed myself as a product and, and not as a real human being. And so... Um, you know, I was always trying to get people to, to buy this product, to say, yeah, this product is, is good. And, you know, and so this program, the first step is to, like, identify, okay, where this product is not so great. Why? So that I can actually improve it. You know, it's like if, if the product, you know, that's me, is failing miserably, how about try changing, you know, instead of just convincing everybody that it's really working really well? Um, because, you know, what, um, what began to become really clear to me was I wasn't fooling anybody. Like, you can't walk around in a 300-pound body and think that people um, are being fooled. Like, I, I used to have this coworker, um, and I still have this coworker, and she's forever looking at what I eat. Um, but she used to look at what I ate, you know, way back when, and she would say to me, you eat so healthy. And, like, she had to have known that I wasn't always eating healthy. Like, you don't eat healthy and look like that. Um, you know, but there were many other areas. The food. You know, that you one know, way that I wasn't. Go. Oh, am I? Are you losing me? Just for a second, but you're back. Okay, sorry. I my my crappy county, and we've got really bad reception. Um, <laughs> you know, and so um, this program is about getting real, getting authentic. And so what I did with the food was just one form of dishonesty. It was the way that I lived my life. I, you know, I grew up in a house where, and I love my mother, but my mother could smile you know, to someone on the phone, her voice not changing a beat. And somehow she was, like, beating us with a shoe at the same time. And so I've been well-trained, you know. And um, and today um, I don't want to be the mother that beats her kid with a shoe, but I also am not the phony that's smiling all the time. You know, I, it's, it's about 
getting real, uncovering, discovering, discarding. Um, thank you with that all cast. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Jody followed by Beth. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody, EQ in California, recovering. So this is this is a kind of a sobering couple of paragraphs for me. Um, you know, I still want to enjoy a certain reputation. I still do. But perhaps the difference is that today, compared with when I'm in the food, um, it's more authentic. It's like I'm not, it's not a total, total sham what I'm trying to be on the outside and who I really am on the inside. As I turn my will and my life over to the care of God and pray for knowledge of his will and uh, try to carry that out with his help, you know, I'm trying to be the same thing on the outside that I am on the inside. Um, I think we all want to have a certain, you know, we all want to be respected. We all want respect and love and appreciation. and We want to give that as well. But do I deserve it today? Well, I'm trying to deserve it. You know, I'm trying to sincerely uh, do unto others as I would like to be treated. Um, I realized, I know today as a result of working these steps that I am one among many. I am a sister of you all. And together we can make it. If I'm, you know, trying to pull you down so that I can look better, that's not going to work. I know that now. I, I do that when I'm not in recovery because I don't know any better. But today I know better. I know that together we make it, not by trying to put each other down. So just grateful Super grateful that I'm on the road, trudging this road of happy destiny with you. And isn't it wonderful that, you know, we can be the actor and do all of these things that we've all done and still not be a glum lot. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Jody. Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Hey, Beth? Hi, good morning. This is Beth yeah, Good morning. Dakota. Hi. Um, so I'm new to this. Um, I've had um, three years and change in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, I still wasn't feeling sober. I was um, not serene, not feeling peace, um, and gaining weight. Um, week after week, month after month. And um, what I realized is that I have um, yet another addiction that was probably there long before I ever started drinking. And as I've been thinking about my life over these last few weeks since I started listening to A Vision for You, um, memories are flooding in um, of my whole life of this. And these paragraphs today that I that I have no marks in my big book of, um, 
<laughs> which is interesting because I have a pretty well-read big book. Um, but these studies that A Vision for You, um, you all are doing, um, are remarkable for me. And that when it says I lead a double life, that is so true for me. Um, I've only been in North Dakota for six months, and it's been a really rough six months. And um, trying to set up a whole new life by myself. I'm single now and my kids are grown. And, um, so I would, I would eat and hide the evidence in the back seat of my car and throw it away in the garage before I came inside the house. I live alone. I don't know who I'm hiding it from. Um, and I would, I would go through a drive through and eat before I went to work. And, and not take any food inside work because I surely didn't want anybody to see that I was eating food like that and then um, and then bring my apple into work or something <laughs> and consistently gaining weight. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a picture of myself and I thought, who is that woman? I don't even know her. And I'm so grateful for a vision for you um, that a friend suggested I just listen, and I did. And um, my double life is coming to pass to to the surface, and I I feel hope again, um, like I haven't felt in a long, long time. And I shared in an AA group last night a little bit of it. Um, they were very gracious to listen, and. Um, I've been dry, but I've not been sober, and I'm so grateful to know that there's there's um, there is light um, in my darkness. So that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks, Beth. Okay, we have time for probably a couple more shares. Who who wants those spots? Leon B. Leon. Margaret B. And Margaret. Let's stop with that. Okay, we got Leon and Margaret. Hey, Leon. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is Leon B., um, Recover Compulsive Overeater from South Carolina. Thank you for, for leading today. Thank you for your service. Man, the shares today have just, like, hit me so deep in my in my gut because um, it's me, everybody. I mean, I, everything that they've shared, I've gone through, thought it was only me, so I thought I was the only one who put on this face for work. Oh, you're such a, you're the best this, you're the best that, you're so generous, you're so kind. And when you get home, you treat your family so mean, you treat your wife mean. And, <clears throat> and but I tell you, going through these steps, I, I saw my selfishness. I went through my step four, and what, what hurt me the most was um, when I did eight and nine with my my older my older boys, 24 and 23, um, I found out that I wasn't the dad I thought I was in my mind. You know, one one son said, you know, I didn't give him enough hugs, and my my other son said, why did you beat me for eating your Oreo? I never understood why you did that, and I I said I was sick. I was sick. I didn't know I didn't know how to handle my emotions and ask their forgiveness. And, and what it's been like now has been so beautiful because they can see what's working these steps, what it's done for me. My my son and I, we hug. We see each other, we hug. My other son came and hugged me the other day and just kissed me on my forehead and 
and told me how, how proud he was of me. And, and my wife, you know, we, we did for the first time a step 11 so, um, last night. She went through my, my nighttime inventory, and I showed her the things that I do. And she went through it, and, and she, she, was, she said, man, we need to do this more often. You know, this, this is awesome. You know, and that's as a result of working these steps. I cannot thank this group enough. I cannot thank my sponsor enough. All the pain that I go through when I talk to my sponsor, he always says, isn't that great? Don't you feel great? I'm like, no, not right now. But but now I understand what what he what he meant by that during that time. I was in pain. I was in tears. But he said, these things are coming to surface. You're dealing with them, and you're asking God to remove your defects, and he will do it. It does work. It works when you work it. And I pass. Thanks, Leon. Hey, Margaret, we saved the best for last here. Good morning. This is Margaret in, in Georgia. I wonder who's coming after me then. Um, <laughs> You're it. And I am, oh, pressure's on. Um, anyways, um, the sentence that speaks out to me or the thoughts that speaks out, speakers out to me, um, the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. And, you know, the, the fact that he's living a double life. Well, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about what happened, you know, when they were children. And I can't identify with the shoe and the smile that was, except I think my mother used a wooden uh, soup spoon or something. But anyways, be that as it may. So when I came into program, I was very condemning because I've lived with criticism my whole life. Um, I was very hostile. I mean, really, really hostile. It's like if you looked at me cross-eyed, I could take you out. And this is like as a seven-year-old child. So, you know, it really wasn't very pretty. Um, so I learned to fight. I lived with a lot of ridicule. Um, I have six older brothers and, well, it doesn't matter how many brothers there were. But anyways, with the ridicule, I learned to be shy. Um, I had a lot of shame, and so I learned to be guilty, to feel guilty constantly. Um, but then when I got into program and started working the steps, people in program showed me tolerance. They, they you know, I could be critical or whatever it was, and I was told, well, you know what? There's a step to work on that, or you know, possibly a fourth step, or you can ask God to remove these shortcomings. But they never said, well, you know what, I guess it's time that you leave because we really didn't want to say it to your face, we didn't want to hurt your feelings, but you don't belong here. That never, ever happened. And so because of tolerance, I learned to be patient. Um, there was a lot of encouragement from sponsors and people in the rooms. Um, so I learned confidence. I got praised, actually, for things. Um, and so I learned how to appreciate others. There was fairness in the rooms, um, you know, practicing the traditions where there is no guru or nobody's better than or whatever. And so I learned justice. And once I started to have some security, I'm, and I'm learning this more, too, about how to have faith. And the bottom line is when I live with approval, then I learn to be myself. 
And once I have acceptance and friendship, I learn to find love in the world. And all these things happen from working the steps. And I think that I and I thank God in His mercy that He's bringing me through this process. And I understand that my purpose is just to do the same thing for somebody else, a, a newcomer coming in the rooms to say there is a solution. And um, and we love you. And with that, I pass. Hey, that's not bad. Pretty good, Margaret. Thanks so much. Thanks to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study uh, immediately following closing. And, and we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, following up with the serenity prayer. Madeline, are you available to read a vision for you? I sure am. Thanks for checking. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Uh, page 164 of this beautiful text. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. You shall be, ah, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.